Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Planners in a Podcast. I'm Sean Gray. I'm Jen Hardiman. And we're so happy you're here today. We thought we'd go a little back or a way back, depending on how you look at it, and talk about how we both got started in the industry, as well as who are some of our industry heroes, the professionals that we look up to. Don't you think that'll be fun, Jen? Yeah, like our origin story, like what brought us to this world, this crazy world of events and weddings and, you know, all of these emotions and fun days. And it's not an industry for everybody. And I think everybody has a different path on how they got here. And I think it's important for us to show our why and our how. We ain't even two minutes into this thing and Jen's already dropping knowledge bombs. This isn't for <laughs> everybody. <laughs> yep. So, okay, I will, I'll set it up. Um, it's okay. a question that we get asked at least five times a week. Yep. Jen, oh my God, weddings are so fun. How'd you get started? Oh my God, I want to do, I want to be a wedding planner. I had so much fun planning my own wedding. That's not at all how it happened. <laughs> so I've been married for 23 years. I've had my company for 15. So definitely did not happen because I loved planning my wedding. Um, Actually, our story is a little different. My story is a little different. I was working in the corporate real estate world for many years. Um, we were on the brink of a recession and burnout in my world. And we had just adopted our first son, and he had come home from another country and experienced some some developmental delays and everything. And one of the nonprofits who provided his services, I got really involved in and started helping them create their events and started helping them raise money and do all of these things. And I said to myself, self, you're kind of good at this. This is what you should be doing versus making millions of dollars for other investors or, or big real estate companies. I wanted to do something that had an emotional component and obviously weddings absolutely do that. Um, I wanted to feel like I was making a difference in somebody's life. And while it may not all be, we're raising money and everything, we're part of somebody's special day. And I really wanted to be my own boss. So I incorporated, did my LLC, formed all of this, and then I told my husband. And he was like, whoa, well, what's happening here? Um, and he said, you can do this and we will make a lifestyle change once the business can sustain itself and we are not paying anything out of pocket to keep it running. It took me a year and I've never looked back. So that's kind of my story. Yeah, I, I think we charged $250 for our first wedding 15 years ago, and now we're significantly more than that for every wedding. <laughs> so, I mean, we'll just put it there. But yeah, I mean, my Wait, web's first no. website was full of stock images and all kinds of things. I had no idea what the hell I was doing, and I learned on the fly. I didn't have connections. I didn't know people in the luxury wedding world. We just literally have built this from the ground up. How about you? Like, where did your world start? Wait, I'm not done talking about you yet because I'm fascinated. Oh, so okay. You, you, you set the all story. the infrastructure up before you told Pete. Uh-huh. And I'm still married. So, yes. And really, I mean, and he was very supportive and very helpful. In fact, I had friends who helped me create my first website and we went to dinner a couple times with them. He talked to them about marketing and I also had a friend who was a graphic artist who, I mean, we, I was a completely different brand back then, but helped me with my first logo and then helped me rebrand to really focus on what we wanted to focus on. 
but yeah, I mean, I gave up a multi six figure a year salary to start this company and it hit me when one Christmas Eve, when our son had only been home, I think a year, um, from his adoption, I spent Christmas Eve wrapping Christmas presents and answering emails to close a real estate deal. And I said, no, I can't do this anymore. So we, you know, I, I mean, yes, I work nights, I work weekends, I work all these things, but that's my choice now. I'm not doing it for someone else. And there's a huge, there's something mentally very different about that. Yep. But also building something from the ground up has been painful, exhilarating, exhausting, joyful, all of the things. And I can't imagine doing anything else. So that's, you know, and we still do work with nonprofits that are meaningful to either me or someone on our team. Maybe they have a personal connection with it um, for a specific reason. So we'll, you know, we'll help in that regard and, and donate our services that way. Um, so oh, we're still cool. in touch with that world. But um, our, like I said, our main focus is is weddings. And and again, if it's a nonprofit, it can't just be somebody came to us to plan a gala. It has to have some meaning to us so that we know and maybe have personally benefited or know someone who's personally benefited from it. So, yeah, all because my two-and-a-half-year-old son needed um, speech therapy and, and play therapy and occupational therapy and all the things when he came home. So that's kind of where we started. It's interesting that needing all of that time, Mm -hmm. resources, however you Mm -hmm. want to define it, led you to say the easiest, not the easiest, the best thing I can do in this situation is just to start my own business. Yep. That's not how I hear a lot of people because you and I talk right. to new up and coming or thinking about yep. it, people in this industry all the time, and they're always right. scared to jump. And it's interesting right. that you almost were compelled to jump. I also feel like I had no idea, and I was just like, at that point, I was so beaten down by the corporate world. I'm like, it can't be any worse. Also, a lot of what I did in the corporate world was logistics-based, you know, organizing and project management. And so those skills easily transferred into um, event planning. But also, I feel like that corporate background gave me an understanding of how to look at a budget and a P&L for my company and how to do the accounting and those kinds of things, because it's not all hearts and rainbows and unicorns and flowers and butterflies. I mean, there is all of that in the background and the corporate world taught me all of that. So I felt like this business was the best combination of all of those things for me. I hate sitting down with my accountant and dealing with all the numbers and all of that every year, but at least I know what it means when she shows me my P&L, when she's like, and we do cost accounting for each job. And so we know what, what you know, what the fee is and then how much we've spent in payroll and this, that, and the other thing. So I know, I know how to read all of those things that I might not have understood had I not had a corporate background. Such a good If that point. makes sense. Such a good point. Uh, like you, um, yeah. it, a little of it had to do with some gala planning. So I come from nonprofit and political management. And when I moved to Houston to closer to my parents, they had retired here. I looked back, mm-hmm. those jobs weren't really transferable across state lines. Right. 
So I was like, well, what did I like most about them? And it was putting the press events or the galas together. And I said, well, why don't I just be my own wedding and event planner? And, uh, you know, in 2011, there weren't a lot of people I could point to and be like, you know, like how they did it. And so my only... um, Reference points were Martin Short from Father of the Bride, Frank, and <laughs> Frank d- d- David Zatera's My Fair Wedding on WeTV. My Fair Wedding, yep. And that was the only, like I said, point of reference. So I remember I was Labor Day weekend, fried to a crisp, sunburned with my friend Shelly. We were like winding down the night, and I was like, I'm going to call it BFD because your day is a big effing deal. And she was like, oh my gosh, I, I love that. never call it that. <laughs> I think you should call it that. I, 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 I loved it. Um, it even, you know, at another time I'll share the story of how that almost uh, came back again. But it was, it was more about when I had done my market analysis and competition research, every about us I read was oh my god i planned my own wedding or after successfully doing my sister's wedding i was called by the four winds and a prayer to be a wedding planner and i'm like tf like no yeah if that's how you did it i'm so happy for you but i just felt like the missing piece to all of this was somebody who like you got all of the project management down the ability to read yep. budgets and P&L reports and like give that experience to a couple planning their wedding and yep. to make it a little more personal in 2011 marriage equality was not the law nationwide and so right. I, I remember yeah. not from somebody who had planned their own wedding but somebody who couldn't and so I was going to make damn sure that if I had the ability to help somebody not not take that for granted, I was going to mm-hmm. do that. And so that's what made me a wedding planner. And we, you know, and though we come at it from different points of view, a lot of our skills were the same. You know, you worked in the political nonprofit world. I volunteered in the nonprofit world mm-hmm. and, in, and I worked in the corporate world and all of those skills, you know, even just the people skills involved in some of those things were, I mean, are just skills that were transferable that we both use on our daily basis. And, you know, I remember, um, you know, there was a show, I think on like some random channel called Million Dollar Weddings. And then there was like four weddings, you know, and the brides would compete against each other, but there really wasn't a whole lot of, um, there weren't a lot of places to research to figure out how to do this job at the times we started. You had to just figure it out as you went along. And so if you didn't have some of those skills, you know, you were flying blind. And, and though we were both flying blind in some regards, it was at least we had that background. I think we both came from some sort of more of a business sided background, but also logistics background. And that, that's very transferable. I was sharing the story a couple days ago, my first wedding, and it might have been you actually, my first wedding, I googled what side the bride stands on 10 minutes before the rehearsal started. Like that's how, uh, 
people think you gotta know each individual thread that makes an entire wedding from the point you get engaged to the point yep. you leave in the getaway car, and that's just not true. <laughs> and Google, Google was my best friend, and especially here where we do different faiths, lots of yes. Yeah. Weddings of different faiths and all of these things, and 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 in certain faiths they stand opposite of of others. And I literally at my first one of my first interfaith weddings had them standing in the wrong places during the rehearsal, and you know was embarrassed and went home and was like, oh my god, I'm such an idiot. I can't believe I you know just did that. And you you know. But that's part of the growing process. I mean, even now when I when I get a, something, you know, maybe it's a, a multicultural wedding or, or whatever, I mean, Google is still my best friend. So, you know, I, you got to, like we did, you just got to just take the leap, but also understand that it's, it's business. It's not, a, and, and they're hobbyists and they're business owners. And whichever you choose to be, be the best at that. But you can't be both. And I just, you know, totally went off sidetrack on that. But that was my little rant. No, I so. love that. You can't be both. I, I I get so frustrated when the hobbyists try to post up and act like, mm -hmm. I don't want to say legitimate, but like a legitimate business. You know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. it's the hobbyists, and we talked about this in an earlier episode, it's the hobbyists that are the ones that take a week to get back to you and you yeah. can't email them or talk to them after this time because they have this going on and they have their nine yeah. to five and I'm not knocking anybody who has to hustle. I was an opening barista at Starbucks my first six months of being a wedding planner, so I get it. Yeah. But like yeah. my clients and prospects never felt that they never felt exactly like I I wasn't giving number one to them right and that's the big thing I mean you also everybody still has to pay their bills you have to figure out the best way to do that but um you know I continue to work in my corporate job for the first year so you know you just you do what you've got to do until it just came to a point where I, I didn't have to anymore and again, I had very low overhead and other things that made it so that we could live at a different lifestyle, I guess. But honestly, I don't miss some of the trappings of the keeping up with the Joneses part of it either. So it was it was a miss. It was a blessing in disguise. So I think that's how it worked for me. I love that. When we come back, let's talk about some people in the industry that we look up to and kind of, you know who our inspirations are, our heroes. Ooh, I, I love that part. Fun. I love yeah, it. It'll be, it'll be okay. fun. So keep, uh, keep here with us. I'm going to send you to a quick commercial and then we'll be right back. Two planners and a podcast today. We're talking about Jen and I's origin stories, which we just wrapped. And so now I thought let's talk about who in our industry are some of the people that we look up to. Jen, why don't you start us off? Who, who are some of your heroes? So, you know, I didn't really know a lot about this industry when I started. So you just kind of, you know, look about um, maybe you Google. I mean, even Google wasn't a huge thing when I started. But um, you kind of look who's got the books in the Barnes & Noble section for weddings and, you know, kind of casually go through all that. And the first person I really was drawn to was Colin Cowie. And I had the most amazing fortune to meet him last night at a networking event here in South Florida. And... 
he was every bit as genuine and kind and sophisticated and elegant as he comes across when he's writing a book or when he's on TV or, you know, planning amazing events for Oprah or whatever it was. But what struck me about his origin story was that, again, he was just like us and he had no idea what he was doing in the beginning. And it was perseverance. It was being in the right place at the right time, which all of us have a little bit of that. But it was just believe, believing in himself that he could do this. And at the event that last night, he took us through um, a recent wedding weekend he had done in France for over 400 guests. Um, for over 400 guests with basically an unlimited budget. Sorry, my dog's climbing on the bed here. So that's real life, folks. Um, climbing on this Max? dog bed. Is it Max? It's Max. Yeah. So, um, Max. But he was telling us, you know, about this event that he had, he had just recently done in, in France at two different estates and 400 guests. And but what struck me about that was also the way he treats his team. And he said, one of the things that I just, I even made some notes in my phone. And one of the things that he said is, if you make anyone on my team cry, I automatically fire you as a client. There are no questions asked. And I thought to myself, self, you need to remember this because, you know, you're only as good as your team. And that's really yes. one of the things that he was said, he said last night. And while I knew that, um, it really hit home. And to hear someone of his quality or caliber or stratosphere or whatever you want to say, say something like that when he does the most amazing high-end luxury, whatever you want to call them weddings in the world his focus is still on his people. And I just find that so admirable. Like I just, you know, he hasn't forgotten where he came from and he treats his, his team the same way. So I just, I found that really amazing. I mean, and then I was fortunate enough at Cater Source in Orlando this year to uh, hear the great Marcy Bloom talk and wow, she's just Rub a whole in, different character. Yeah. And, but she was hilarious and she was honest and she really, spoke to what it takes to survive in this world. And, and so those are two people that I just find um, inspiring, authentic. They're still their true selves. And I feel like that's also what draws me to them. So tell me in your world, who are some of those people for you? Well, mine's, mine's definitely Colin for sure. Um, Colin Cowie, like you, when I was doing research, I was like, okay, who's got the books? Mm -hmm. And, one thing that drew me to Colin just through like his books and going around on the website and of course the Oprah stories was he just feels to me like his guiding light is to produce an exceptional wedding or event for his clients at mm -hmm. whatever it takes to get it done. Yep. And I just don't, I don't feel that from 90% of yep. the vendors that we work with each and every day. And so to see that it's possible that you can rise to that level of success and yep. still, like you said, still have that care is really admirable. And the greatest thing I think he's ever done, and this is not a post, I'm not, pl I'm not plugging anything uh, in ill intended, but the Gold Standard is a book that Loved everybody that book. who is a wedding supplier needs to read. Like, it should be required yeah. reading. And I read it 
you know, in maybe two days, like, it, and it was amazing. And he, he honed in on some of these things last night, like, and I'm just looking at my notes because he said, you're only as good as you are resourceful. So that means no problem cannot be solved. And then, um, you know, one of the other things he says is, you know, you, things that we've gotten away with in our, from in our world. And I find that he still does this. And he reminded me handwritten thank you notes, niceties, you know, all of those things that, um, were just sort of standard in the world at one point he still holds on to, And that's where he, and reading the gold standard reminded me, Jen, you've got to be better about some of these things. You know it in your head, but when someone like Colin says it to you or you read it in a book or you hear him speak at an event, I mean, I took, you know, multiple notes in my phone last night and I feel like you need sometimes heroes to remind you um, or people that you look up to to remind you of what you already know, but you get so in the weeds in your own business that sometimes you forget this. And to hear Marcy speak this year and to hear Colin speak this year, both of which really had sort of that same message about the way you treat people and the perseverance and the way you treat your team and all of those things um, was reassuring and inspiring. Um, and those, you know, I just, both of those were, you know, big bucket list items this year for me. I met him. Um, he did the grand opening party for the JW downtown Houston when it opened. Mm -hmm. And when I tell you I can't tell you what it was like to attend an event that was produced by oh, him. I can't even imagine. I like there. There. I'm just going to tell a quick story because he's yeah. a hero. So I'm going to tell it. The JW downtown is kind of choppy, not in a bad way. Most urban downtown hotels are. Um, mm -hmm. And so the guests were ushered through the entire hotel. We went to the spa. We went toward guest rooms. We were in all of the meeting spaces. This was 14 or 15. I can't remember how he got us there was like, you're in the, you're in the bar drinking. You're, he's ready to move us to another space. Out walks 15 models in all black. And they just had iPads on their faces telling us to go to like level three or go find yeah. the elevator. And it was just such a cool, elaborate, but still kind of not over the top way to do it. But like mm -hmm. very over the top. It was, it was incredible that the you, he was in that event. I don't know. I can't explain it. And he, yeah, one of the things he said when I just heard him speak was, you know, he wants to, he designed sort of based on his idea of what the guest experience should be. So, you know, if I'm walking up to the venue or I'm going from here to there with my cocktails, how does that look and feel? And he said, it's all five senses and, and all of those. And Again, it was all, and I even said to this, this to him when um, I got my photo op moment with him, I was like, you know, first of all, I just, I devoured the gold standard. And I said, second of all, everything he said was something that I think in my head, I already knew, but it was brilliant to hear it from you because it just reminded me to do these things. And he kind of like, kind of blushed and he, or not really blushed, but he kind of did a little all shucks and was like, you know, you could tell those are the kinds of comments that people like him appreciate, not just, will you sign my book or, you know, things like that. It was, I felt like it was a real interaction. And the same when I met Marcy at Cater Source, I felt that that was a real interaction. And to me, 
My heroes um, aren't always perfect, but they're authentic. Mm. Ooh. Bomb drop. <laughs> yeah. So, so is there anyone else in your world that sort of inspires you or makes you want to do this, be better at what you do or who else? I'm, turn I'm turning red right now because the way that you said that, I just, and, and this two planners and podcast, Jen and I are friends. We're doing this podcast. I'm speaking how I want to speak. So, yep. um, it there between us friends, there is a glaring omission from this list. And when you said what you just said, I was like, Oh dang, I'm not going to get into it. But yes, it doesn't matter what level of success you reach or what mm -hmm. you do in whatever field you're in. If the authenticity isn't there, I'm going to smell right through it. I'm going to smell right through it. Yep. It, the, when you become more of a celebrity than a person, then you're not necessarily someone I'm looking up to anymore. Um, because Colin said, you know, he fires clients. He doesn't close every sale. I mean, that, I mean, I don't close every sale. You don't close every sale. That's right. like real life. But yeah, he still does these incredible, amazing things. And so he was real. He was authentic. His events are beyond the stratosphere. But he said, I don't close every sale. And I was like, well, thank the Lord, because I thought you were just calling Cowie and you, people just signed on the dotted line for your name. <laughs> right. And that's not how it is. And, you know, so he was real. And there are some people, unfortunately, who are. I guess more celebrity than they are, you know, anything else. And Hey, whatever floats your boat, if that works for you, that's just not who I tend to look up to. And I'm not, and I'm not taking anybody's success away from them. No, I'm not at all. Warranted. I'm just saying when you're approaching it from like a, who do you look up to? Who are your heroes standpoint? Yeah. I think you gotta have the authenticity or have been really good at communicating and walking yeah. in authenticity so that other people can feel it yeah and I'm just gonna say it again because you're you're right about talking to him about this book if you are a supplier and you have ever felt like you missed the customer experience somewhere or something's not mm -hmm. clicking or quite frankly you're getting more than two bad customer experiences read the gold standard and see how it actually should happen. I mean, there's and, just, oh. yeah. And the, and it wasn't, these things weren't like, it's not like it was rocket science. This was real usable, approachable, doable stuff. It wasn't some magic algorithm that said you have to, you know, plus X minus Y plus 32 and you'll be a successful wedding planner. No, it was write a thank you note. Do you know? Think, um, advance, advance your client at meetings and be the yeah. first one there so you can open the door and receive yeah. them. And I mean, a lot of it, I mean, he is a luxury provider. So a lot of yes. it, you're going to be like, oh, of course he can do those things. Or of course he has St. Regis on speed dial or whatever the case may be. But like a lot of it's just proactive, good customer service from the good, Just good customer service. No matter what level as a professional you are, whether you're luxury X, Y, and Z, D, you know, DIY and everything in between, it's not that hard to write a thank you note. I mean, but how many of us 
in the heat of the business and in the heat of the day, put that on our to-do list and it's still there three weeks later. So, I, I mean, it was- made a note. <laughs> I just made a note to order. Um, thank you, Stationery, because Jen, I used to do that. I, I at know. the end of every wedding, I would sit down and write a handwritten thank you card to every single vendor, regardless if it was a coordination or a full planning. And somewhere mm -hmm. along the way, I just lost that. Well, piece. and I also think that somewhere along the way, and I'm going to get off on a tangent, which is another conversation, but I think social media, we just tag everybody and we think that's all we need to do. And that's not necessarily it. Because if you could see my desk right now, you'd see a bulletin board full of handwritten thank you notes that I have kept from the, over the years. So those things mean something to people. And I think with what Colin was saying really was you know, the old ways and those, those things do mean a lot to people in our digital world. And uh, I think, yes. you know, yes. Yeah. But some people will hear that and think old ways. Let me go write my eight caption Facebook post with a static image attached to it and call that social media. Sorry. Yeah. But we have a whole nother episode dedicated to social media and video and captions and all the good things. So that one you guys don't want to miss for sure. Cause Sean will be bringing all the teaser. good stuff. Yeah. We'll give you a little teaser cause Sean's really good at that. And I hire someone to do it. So we come at it from two different angles. So that's a really interesting way to per, you know, to look at that whole side of things, but back to heroes, is there anyone else you want to shout out or is Colin the guy for you? Well, if not Colin, then it's definitely got to be Martin Short when he played Frank in Father of the Bride, only because I needed reference points to be like, yes. what's a wedding planner do? You know? And I was like, well, okay. So, yeah. Some of our listeners have probably never seen that movie, but it is a hundred thousand times worth your afternoon to find it digitally and watch the Steve Martin version of father of the bride. And that's the, I think third version of that movie that's been made. There was one with Elizabeth Taylor back in the day. Then there was the Steve Martin one. And I know there's been a recent remake, but the most current one now, or the Steve Martin one is it, it's hilarious from the parents point of view, from the bride's point of view, from Frank's point of view. I mean, I just keep, I'm picturing in my head him chasing around swans in the front yard of their house yeah. and, you know, and, the, and drying off the flowers with a hairdryer because they got a freak snowstorm and all of the things that planners in our world do that nobody had any idea of. So I think that is an awesome hero and a great reference point. Even in, even tying what Colin was saying to you at the event and taking a look at like how Frank approached mm -hmm. Steve Martin's daughter's wedding. Steve Martin's like, what am I doing all this to my front yard for? And Frank's right. like, uh, because that's when the experience starts and we got to keep right. it consistent. You know, I mean, exactly. it was done in a comical way, but that's the that's the meat of why this house is undergoing all of this, this stuff. It was, I mean, you know, and when he loses his mind from wedding planning and he's in the grocery store, um, you know, pulling out the hamburger buns because they don't match the amount of hot dogs in, in the hot dog buns and hot dogs in the pack and all that. But I can picture the dads. I can picture the moms in the grocery store as we're, you know, um, 
planning and just standing there staring at the hamburger bun aisle going, so, I mean, that movie is one of the best wedding movies I think there is out there. And we could do a whole podcast on that. But Bronk is the man. I get it. If you are a fan of what's their what's their show on Hulu? Only only murders in the building or something? Yeah, oh yeah, something like that. Yeah. If you like that show, go see how those two are twenty five thirty years ago in Father of the Bride. It's a little dated, but all of the all of the material is still current mm-hmm. and what what people what like you said what the different people involved in a wedding actually go through in their minds. And Frank, just, I mean, everything from his fashion to his hair to his, the way he speaks, all of it is just chef's kiss perfect. So Chef's kiss perfect. This episode has been chef's kiss perfect with you, Jen. That's because we rock. Yes. (laughs) Well, thank you all for uh, hanging out with us on this episode of Two Planners and a Podcast. Um, we drop new episodes every Thursday, so make sure to listen or watch wherever you get your podcasts. And Jen and I will see you next week. Sounds like a plan. Bye. Bye.